0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Inside
2: Sources, Inside sources.
3: behind the scenes experience in Washington and around, around the, the world. world. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd, Boyd Matheson, Matheson, on KSL News Radio, one hundred two point seven FM and eleven sixty AM. This is Kirk Jowers. I'm filling in for Inside Sources today. We have a great show today that will include uh, Representative Ben McAdams, former Speaker of the House Greg Hughes, a segment we call How Trump Took Over the World, which will be really interesting, uh, and can he keep it? Uh, Spencer Eccles, a report from the UN Conference, which is in Utah for the f- It's the first time it's ever been out of New York. Uh, so it's exciting for our state to host this, and we'll, we'll get a report on that. And then at the end, to look at the big game, Utah versus BYU. And this time we're going to have a former NFL player and a former uh, Stanford uh, football team stand out. And the last time I had this, we had a BYU guy and a Utah guy, and you kind of knew exactly what they would say. This time we're going we're gonna to see what some outsiders think about that game, get a little more objective look at, uh, at the game on Thursday. First, however, uh, we'll start with a really important subject. Uh, and that is Utah's growing problem with mental health and suicide, and a new report which has come out which has really helped to clarify and define this issue, and we are incredibly fortunate um, to have uh, Marissa Henn and Dr. Travis Mickelson in studio today with such a sensitive and important subject. I really needed the best people possible to guide me, Uh, and so here in studio we have Marissa Henn, who serves as Community health program director at Intermountain Healthcare, providing system level leadership on suicide prevention and related community mental health strategies. She's had an incredible, uh, incredible career, including serving as an advisor to New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. Uh, in my old days, and my law firm had some some work with him. He's a very interesting, uh, dynamic man. So I could spend the whole time on that, but I won't. Uh, and completed. Uh, a master's at Columbia and a doctorate in public health at Harvard. Uh, Marissa, thank you so much for being here.
4: Thank you so much, Kirk.
3: And uh, we also have Travis Mickelson, MD, who is a psychiatrist at Intermountain Healthcare and medical director of the Health System's Mental Health Integration Initiative. Dr. Mickelson's research interests include developing evidence-based methods for mental health education and integration, particularly within primary care settings. Thank you, Dr. Mickelson, for being here today. Thank you for inviting me so uh, Marissa, let's start by talking about the importance of uh, the Utah Health Association's new report um, for listeners immediately following this segment I'm going to have the the author and sponsor of that report and we'll get more into the into the the bones of that report um, but this new report frames mental health as being in a state of crisis in Utah and I'd like to start with uh, Intermountain's doing some amazing things with their community wide zero suicide efforts. Can you help me uh, know a little bit more about that and maybe help our listeners know that there is a resource? Um, right now, we're talking about it very analytically. Uh, Some people are dealing with it very personally. Mm -hmm.
4: Yes. um, So zero suicide is a commitment that Intermountain adopted, and it's based on a belief that grew out of Henry Ford Health System and over 200 other health systems that even one suicide among patients under our care is unacceptable. At Intermountain, we've extended that belief to our broader community, the people we touch, whether they're caregivers, community members, to say, this is a tragedy, this is a crisis, but there's so much we can do to prevent many of these many of these deaths, and there's so much reason for hope and recovery. And so the initiative includes not only a focus on helping people who are in crisis get the services they need, but also looking at upstream, what's behavioral health access look like, how can we help keep home environments safe by keeping things like medications and guns securely locked up? How can we work with data? So there's a lot of different components. And one thing I really appreciate about the report um, that Greg Bell and the Utah Hospital Association and Gardner Institute put together is it really paints the holistic nature of this crisis, recognizing how we all play a role.
3: Thank you so much. Um, uh, So Travis, this, uh, this new study from the Chem Gardner Policy Institute indicates the need for mental health professionals in the state is reaching a a critical level. One recommendation has been to enlist more primary care physicians in the effort to help with this program. Uh, do you agree? And how does Intermountain's mental uh, health integration program address this?
1: Well, let me take you back just to some of the history of when I first got into psychiatry. Uh, one of the statistics that really stood out to me and really shaped my my career was learning that one in five people who walk into a primary care clinic actually have a mental health related concern that they'd like to talk to their their provider about. And only one in five of those people are actually getting the help that they need. 80% of people's mental health is being done in primary care uh, clinics. Primary care providers aren't necessarily trained or provided resources and support to manage that that need of their patient population. And so mental health integration is a program that we've developed. It's been uh, with us for close to 20 years where what we do is we try to add a team of people that can join uh, the person and their primary care provider. And based on the complexity of their needs, we can... Uh, add and create some team members to to join them. For example, uh, for a a person who is experiencing symptoms of depression, 100% of people walking into our Intermountain Clinics are going to be screened for depression. Some of those people are going to need to have access to uh, more than just what their primary care provider can provide them. In that ten-minute visit, and so we have um, integrated both therapists and psychiatrists, and also care managers that can help the person and their primary care doctor uh, manage all of the complicated needs that that person might have.
3: Thank you so much. Uh, so, Utah's the fifth highest suicide rate in the country. Uh, in Utah, we're not used to that. We are used to being, you know, the number one state and in this health indicator, number four in this one. And we kind of are proud of of ourselves, our habits and our outdoor living and other things that that are so good. This one obviously does not reflect well on us. Um, I I think I'm going to get into the maybe historical and and maybe cultural things with our next panel. But with you two, you've got these great programs. How long have you been doing them? Are you seeing a difference? Is this report not really taking into account what you're doing yet because it's loading up. So so where are we? Are we, are we hopeful with these new programs?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think this report really complements and accelerates the work that's been going on. Um, obviously, we all want to see uh, a reduction in the suicide rate. We're seeing a, a sort of leveling off, which gives us some reason for hope. But I will say one area I'm especially optimistic has been a focus on firearm suicide prevention. So firearms are the leading method of suicide in Utah, And um, we have come together with Utah's leading gun advocates to say as health professionals, as gun owners, we need to work together on this. We need to make sure we understand the data, that we have effective messengers, and we've done extraordinary work ranging from public service announcements to training for clinicians to all sorts of efforts aimed at saying, we may come from different worldviews, but we fundamentally have the same common goal, which is that no person in suicidal crisis should ever have access to a firearm. So there's one example of where over the past two years, there's been a real shift in conceptualizing of something that previously was seen as hands-off.
3: So those are some great policy things. I wish we had two hours. Uh, there's so many strands, uh, but doctor, in the in the minute we have left, one problem that often happens with, with any type of reform, even beyond the, the high-minded policy and resources and everything else, is the professionals involved. In this case, it's doctors. Are you seeing doctors kind of progress to a point where they are are better able to to see some of these symptoms and and perhaps steer them earlier rather than later.
1: Uh yes they are. You know, if I could represent a uh, a primary care provider, what I would say is I know very well why this is important. I I know why I need to be involved and have this be part of what I do with with the people that I that I work with. As a primary care provider, what I need the system to give me are the resources and the tools because I'm being asked to see 20 to 30 people a day. And there's no way I'm going to be able to do a good job managing those needs unless I have a team of people around me who can help. And so this is something that we're really going to need our system to, to support us in is making sure that we create a environment in which the primary care providers and the primary care clinics can thrive and be successful.
3: Uh, well, thank you both so much for being in the studio and, and at least getting this, this information out to our listeners. We will follow up in the next segment about some more of the uh, important parts of this report. But thanks for all you're doing, and uh, we hope to have you back soon. Thank, thank you. you, Kirk. Thanks a lot. Inside Sources with, with Boyd, Boyd Metheson on KSL News Radio. Hi, this is Kirk Jowers, I'm filling in for Inside Sources today. We just had a, a short, too short, but a great discussion uh, with, uh, with two people who are focused every day on, on trying to solve this mental health and suicide epidemic crisis that we have in Utah. I'm so grateful to have Greg Bell, CEO of the Utah Hospital Association, and Laura Summers, our, the senior health care analyst of the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute. The two of you, and and so many others I know, worked with you combined to create um, an incredible report. I encourage everyone uh, to read it. There's there's ways to read the whole thing or, <laughs> or, or, or to get a synopsis of it, but all of it's so important, and that's my main goal of, of having you on here today is that people will go look at this. That's a a treasure trove, both from a public policy, but more importantly, I think, for for families and individuals who are dealing with this and, and perhaps are not understood as well as they could be. So this report uh, released by the Chem Gardner Policy Institute and the Utah Hospital Association found that more than a third of adults in some Utah communities are suffering from depression. Less than half of adults with mental illness have received any treatment or counseling, And quoting the Salt Lake, uh, quoting a, a local newspaper's coverage of the report, it said, Factoring in Utah adults' high rates of mental illness and low access to care, Utah in 2018 ranked number 51 in a national analysis of mental health measures by the nonprofit Mental Health America. For children, the picture was not much brighter. The JAMA Pediatrics Magazine in 2016 found that Utah was one of 11 states where the prevalence of child mental health disorders exceeded 20 percent and was among the bottom 12 states for the percentage of mentally ill children receiving care. As Greg knows, we've worked together for so long. I'm a bit of a Pollyanna about Utah. I think we're the best at everything. Um, And so that part of the report was tough. What is going on here?
5: Yeah, I think it is really staggering. Um, You know, unless you are working in the system, unless you're familiar with the system, I think these results and these statistics are just startling. The fact that we have such a big mental health problem in the state of Utah, uh, we've got increasing demand, we have increasing severity of need. Um, and then the other side of the equation that we looked at was just the shortage. What does that supply of providers look like? Um, and again, the report clearly indicates that not only do we have this increasing demand, but we have a shortage of existing providers, um, providers across the board, particularly child psychiatrists. So in terms of the issues, I think when you've got that, that large demand, that lack of supply, it just sort of creates this perfect storm of people not being able to get access to the mental health treatment that they need.
3: Not being able to get access, so Greg, uh, uh, CEO of the Utah Hospital Association, that's got to be a huge player in making sure that this access is here. I applaud you for for funding and and putting in what what you needed to to get this excellent report, so you know what to what to attack. We just had uh, Intermountain uh, on talking about some of their new initiatives. What? What can you do in your capacity in working with these hospitals, with these health care providers to start addressing some of the issues uh, found in this report?
2: Well, thanks, Kirk uh, great, great to see you here. Um, you know, hospitals, police, emergency rooms, um, schools, jails uh, are at the forefront. This is the the leading edge where uh, people in those systems come in contact with troubled individuals, whether they're depressed, anxious, um, uh, psychotic, overdose, you know, substance abuse bleeds into all of this, right? Right. And so uh, we've just been hearing from our hospital folks that so many of the admissions um, at emergency departments have a mental health or substance abuse issue involved. Uh, almost fifty percent of all diabetics have depression,
3: hmm.
2: and so we've had this bifurcated approach, right, to to the human health yeah. um, issue. And so you can't—I mean, uh, disease goes with mental disease, et cetera, et cetera. And so we've also got a stigma around mental health. You know, I mean, is people, that
3: you—is that unique to Utah? Some many of the things both of you said seem like. That should apply in Des Moines or New York City or Orlando as much as Utah. Uh, But are there unique Utah cultural or other things with the stigma that, that makes us more prone to problems than other states?
2: Well, we didn't really study that. You know, anecdotally, people think that our more religious. Um, moralistic environment creates pressure on people, and perhaps creates some anxiety and depression. And you know, and then if you look at the map, uh, states where people live above thirty five hundred feet have more depression. It's just a scientific fact that uh, altitude creates um, prevalence, more of a prevalence for mental illness. Uh, I saw
3: that, and you know, for me, that's my favorite part about living in Utah is running up <laughs> in the mountains with my dog. Like, how can people? Yeah not live above 3,500 right. feet. It seems it right. terrible. But the, the institute or the, uh, the report had another really interesting thing um, about, and this is going more to the, the personal instead of the, but the parents, um, how they might need to look at their children or whether they're at risk in a little different way. I think mm-hmm. there you have a stigma and and it indicates that those who have moderate mental health needs or have felt sad or hopeless for a couple of weeks are at a significantly higher risk of suicide than even those who have considered suicide in the past or attempted suicide before. So what signs should parents look for? When should they reach out for additional help?
5: Yeah, and um, the, the graphic that you're specifically mentioning is showing sort of the prevalence of uh, our students' grades uh, 8 through 12 that experience those mental health issues as well as those risks for suicide. So it does show the percent of students that have high mental health needs, those that have moderate mental health needs, those who have felt sad or hopeless for two weeks or more, And what you can see is that there's we're experiencing increasing prevalence in all of those areas. So I do think it's important, just again, because of our high suicide rate and our increasing suicide rate among our youth, that parents need to be much more diligent in terms of looking for those risk factors, being aware of those risk factors, making sure that their children have adequate help, um, are seeking adequate supports. We've got a really growing um, and robust system that's developing in our school systems, as well as our county. Systems, um, which I know can be difficult to try to figure out where do you go for help when you're in kind of that crisis mode, or when you're starting to realize that maybe you do need to seek help for yourself or your child. Um, but there are a lot of resources out there, and just making sure that you're accessing those resources when you're starting to pick up on some of those needs of your children. So,
3: and is that something you found that um, that they're really as a state? Uh, and, and Greg mentioned all the different different components of, of addressing this. Do we feel like we as a state are up to the job if people can start utilizing the, the resources more or do we still have a long ways to go?
2: We have a long way to go and, and there are great people in the system and and the system is really energized. Uh, we now have safe you. Which is an app that every student in public school and universities and college has access to, and we ha- we have uh, like a thousand calls a day to our crisis line, you know. So we yeah. got to do more about that. Senator or Representative Stewart's trying to get nine eight eight as a dedicated line nationally, but. Uh, no one, as we've talked to national experts, Kirk. No state has threaded the needle on this. Everybody's got problems, right? So there's so not a model
3: state right now. Some
2: people are doing some good things, but nobody has figured this thing out. It's a huh. it's a fact of modern life. So we're lucky in Utah. A, we now have a bench mark. We have a we know what the numbers are with the data. And number two, we're moving forward with policymakers to address suicide untreated mental health needs, both for adults, juveniles, and uh, younger. So we're on the threshold of doing some really exciting things.
3: Uh, We have about one minute left. I wish we had another hour, but um, if someone wants to access this report, I highly encourage everyone to do so. How is the best way to, to get this report?
5: Yeah, it's available on the Gardner Policy website. So the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute, you can Google that or just go to our website, which is uh, gardner.utah.edu. Um, we are tied to the University of Utah, the David Eccles School of Business. So it's available um, on our website, or they can feel free to email me, or I don't know if I should <laughs> <laughs> no, volunteer Greg, but I, Laura Summers at utah.edu, and I'd be happy to share the the report as well. It does have a lot of great statistics and just information on the both the increasing prevalence as well as um, the the lack of supply. So
2: Good charts and graphs, easily understood.
3: Yeah, that's the thing is, is it's, it looks a little intimidating with its, with its uh, size. But once you start <laughs> uh, looking through, it's, it's wonderfully done. The graphs and the charts, um, you can get through it in five minutes and get a ton out of it. And, of course, you can spend more time if you have it uh, or are particularly uh, interested or worried about, about these issues, which I think we all should be. We all have a responsibility to, to help each other and help ourselves. And um, now we have a better idea of, of what we're up against. Greg, Laura, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for putting this report together and giving us some real marching orders as a state to to improve and and help everyone get to a, a better spot. Thank you.
5: Thank you.